We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast, the first episode of the 2020 year. It's a couple days here after New Year's. The Bears' 2019 season's officially over, and they made some big moves already this week, uh, not surprisingly, honestly. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson, joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, who is returning from his week-off absence. Aaron, how you doing, and how was vacation? It was good, man. Uh, yeah, it's I, it. It was one of those. Well, it was you know, every, it, it was nice to get uh, out of where I'm at right now. It's uh, family just moved to Texas, so I went over there and visited them and did some house hunting because I'm trying to get out of California as a whole. So it's uh, things are definitely going to ramp up for me personally. Um, you know, it's got some random stuff going on, but it's uh, new year and new me, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I I've never really subscribed to that thought process until this year. Just you know, with everything else happening uh, last year and not a lot of good came out of it. So I'm definitely, definitely ready to turn a page and move on. And hopefully for the bears sake, they're ready to do the same thing, especially at the quarterback position, because there was a lot. And I mean, a lot of overreaction, uh, do that press conference. Yeah, man. Uh, the press conference that Aaron is referring to is obviously Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's season ender. Uh, they hosted that on Tuesday, just two days after their season kind of, uh, well, didn't kind of, it ended there. 
And uh, like you said, Aaron, I mean, hopefully the Bears, God, hopefully they change things in 2020 because 2019 was a disaster. It started off with the playoff loss to the Eagles right away early in 2019. And then, you know, free agency in the offseason was, you know, wasn't bad. We were very optimistic, very hopeful that the Bears would at least return to the playoffs and, and become a Super Bowl contender. That did not happen. They finished the year 8-8 um, eight and eight and... Yeah, missed the playoffs, were third place in the NFC North, um, or a couple games out of the wild card race. Just an overall disaster. And Nagy and Pace, you know, met the media two days after the season ending, um, lost to, to ha- have their, you know, year end press conference. And yeah, there's a lot of overreaction there. I mean, that happens all the time. I, I, I sit there, I'm there, I've been there the last three, and you could just kind of feel like, you see the tweets start pouring in from the fans and everyone, and you're just like, this is nothing to really get worried about because they just say the same stuff every year. They weren't going to throw Mitchell Trubisky under the bus. They weren't going to throw Adam Sheen under the bus. They weren't going to throw Trey Burton under the bus. They weren't going to throw anyone under the bus. They're just going to spoon feed you stuff. It's January. The press conference was held on December 31st. It's January. There's so much time between now and and the first snap of the regular season in the first week of August, or first week of September, pardon me, where anything could happen. And we've seen in the past, I mean, the tweet that kept on circulating was that um, the uh, Bears, you know, Mike Lennon is our quarterback going into that 2000, what was it, 2017 season. And we all know how that turned out. Trubisky took over from in week four. Now, the big overreaction everyone's talking about, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Aaron, because I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% that we're in the same boat here is, Ryan Pace opened it up. First question, we all knew it was coming. Thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky. He committed to him early as the starting quarterback. And the key word here for me is early. He committed early on. There's so much time left. If he's the starting quarterback in week one, I'd be a little shocked unless there was an injury that happened to the guy that they bring in. Well, here's the thing, right? And I think a lot of people need to kind of take a step back and – kind of just look at Ryan Pace's track record, right? Okay, so we're sitting here at the very beginning of January. Free agency doesn't start until the middle of March, which means the new league year doesn't start in the middle of March. Uh, yes, they could make a trade, and then it you know, wouldn't be official. I mean, they could make a trade pretty much at any point if they wanted to for a quarterback, and it wouldn't become official until that point. That usually doesn't happen, right? So here's the situation. With the lone exception, Alex Smith. Well, Alex Smith, and then there was one. I thought there was one last year too. Flat, was it the, Flacco? Yeah, it was Flacco. But it just it doesn't happen very often. But here's the thing, right? So you have a situation with the Bears right now where they have one quarterback that is going to be on the roster for 2020, and that's Trubisky. Chase Daniels a free agent, and so is Tyler Bray. I think actually Tyler Bray is like a he's like a probably a restricted free agent or something along those lines. Either way, point being here is he's not technically under contract. So what is Ryan Pace really going to say here? What is he going to come out and say, well, you know, knowing what we know about Trubisky, knowing his confidence is an issue, uh, what's he going to do? Come out and say, well, we're going to look to replace him, um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, so you shatter his confidence. And what happens if you swing and you miss on your trade target? What happens if you swing and you miss? Let's say you're going to go after Teddy Bridgewater uh, or somebody along those lines is, is a free agent and you swing and you miss. And then all of a sudden you've got Trubisky and, you know, you may not have a backup option or maybe your backup option is somebody that would compete with Trubisky. And that's kind of the thing here. So, again, we're at the beginning of January. Simply put, 
there's going to be no declaration made by any general manager at this point. I know some people were pointing to what Chris Ballard said today about the, you know, the quarterback position in Indianapolis with Brissett and how, you know, they they weren't 100% sold, but at the same time, you know, quarterback development, you know, it just it, it goes differently. But they would be stupid to not look at outside options and keep their options open. But again, Chris Ballard has always been one of those guys who's been very very open with the media. Ryan Pace has never been one of those guys. That's the reason a lot of media doesn't like him, because he keeps the door shut. He doesn't want anything leaking out until it's on their terms. That's just always been the way it is. Now, I'm not guaranteeing. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that Trubisky won't be the starter uh, You know, come week one of 2020. What I am going to say is I am still very confident in the fact that he will not be the starter, whether it's they bring in somebody for competition like a Case Keenum or Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I wouldn't really particularly care for, or they go with a mid-level, you know, soon-to-be free agent like an Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, something like that, or they trade for, you know, a Cam Newton or sign a Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, uh, or, or Derek Carr. I mean, there's going to be options out there. We need to see how it all plays out, but no general manager is going to sit there and and speak in absolutes about something that they they don't know how it's going to materialize. I I just it's just one of those things where I think the big tall tale sign there was you're committed to him for 2020 yet you're not committed to picking up his fifth year option and the other part of that is a fifth year option doesn't have to be picked up until May. So that's after free agency, that's after the draft. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where there's so much to happen before free agency in the new league year even starts right now. I think fans just kind of have to take a step back. Don't take Ryan Pace at his word. He said the same thing about Mike Glennon when they signed Mike Glennon. Oh, he's, he's going to be our starter. We've liked him for a while, blah, 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 blah. Nobody thought they were going to – and that's the thing. This is revisionist history with a lot of people. Nobody thought that they were going to take Trubisky number two overall. Nobody thought they were going to take a, a quarterback in the first round in general. Not only did they do that, but they traded up to take Trubisky. Obviously, it was the wrong choice. My point being is – Ryan Pace is always going to throw people off his scent. That's that's just the that's how he operates. That's how Hallis Hall has operated since Ryan Pace took over. I wouldn't take anything that he has to say at face value until we see things develop over the next few months. Yeah, and I'm with you. I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't bring in any sort of competition, whether it is a veteran, uh, maybe it's a rookie, maybe it's a combination of both. There's still a long way to go until week one of the 2020 season. And like we both said, they're not going to throw Mitchell Trubisky under the bus in that press conference. That does nothing. That's no benefit for that. Um, whether they believe Trubisky's a guy, which I don't think they believe that, they were going to say it, and the, it was just typical overreaction, um, you know, from everyone and the headlines on it all. Um, you know, as far as Trubisky's season, it, that was just a major disappointment. All offseason, we heard about you know moving to 202 and, and taking steps in this offense and reading the field. Um, finding open receivers, looking at what the defense has given you. And he pretty much regressed this season. He was very bad in the first half, had a stretch of three or four games where he was okay. He wasn't great. The Bears beat up on the Lions twice. They beat up on the Giants. Dallas was probably his best game outside of that three-touchdown quarter against Washington. But overall, he was just was not good. And it was the biggest reason why the Bears are not in the playoffs. If you have a serviceable quarterback right now other than Trubisky, the Bears are probably playing on wild card weekend. Um, it just it just didn't happen. And, and, and it's not – I'm not saying it's 100% his fault. He is a big reason for that. There's a lot wrong with the offense. It was just one of those years. But, man, it's just like if we had – obviously if we had Mahomes or Watson, things would be a lot different. 
But now I'm just thinking, man, if we had a top 15 quarterback, anyone in here, top 20 quarterback, we're probably previewing a playoff game. And the one thing I kind of found interesting in the press conference regarding Trubisky, we'll stay on topic with him, is when, the, you know, Matt Nagy was asked about what would you like to see in the growth and progression from Trubisky this offseason. And he said he wants him to master reading what the defense gives him, you know, in terms of coverages and the disguises. And to me, I'm sitting there, when I heard that, I'm thinking, this is a quarterback that's going into his fourth year. He's a number two overall pick. You know, yeah, he did only have one season starting at North Carolina. He appeared in a couple other games in each of the previous two seasons. It was like a game or two apiece in each of those seasons. But, man, a quarterback in his third year should be able to see what the defense has given him, what covers are in, the disguises, um, the stunts, the blitzes, all that stuff. And Trubisky's got to have to start mastering it now in his fourth year. It just feels like he's like two steps behind everyone else. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those things uh, where this has kind of been the confusing part for me, right? Where you know, if you're on Twitter, then I'm sure you've kind of seen the the battle back and forth. You pretty much have two sides of Bears Twitter right now. You have the side that basically has fully understood that Trubisky is simply not the guy, and they need to move on. And then you have the other where it seems like the loyalty is almost more to the player than it is to the team. Now, I don't think that there's anybody out there who purposely wants Trubisky to fail. Um, you know, and, and that's been kind of something that I've seen a few people, you know, the argument they try to make. Nobody wants to see Trubisky fail. I had Trubisky as my number one quarterback. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I, I really like Trubisky as a person. The fact is, he's been a terrible quarterback. And, you know, it's like people point to the inconsistencies of the offensive line. Well, if you want to point to the inconsistencies of the offensive line, then, you know, where are the excuses for Deshaun Watson? You know, Deshaun Watson's had one of the worst lines in the league since he came into the league. And then you look at it and you say, well, you know, the, the receivers had a ton of drops this year. And, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you can look at it and say, well, what about Carson Wentz? Why was Carson Wentz able to do what he did with the Eagles when he had no receiver over 500 yards? There was a ton of injuries. There was a ton of drops. And then this, you know, the last thing is, well, they have no running game. And it's like, OK, well, look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had no running game. The, the Chiefs had just as bad of a uh, you know, running game as the Bears did this year. You can make all the excuses in the world. And so I, it's just at a point where I can't be any more blunt than this. Uh, you can make all the excuses in the world that you want for any player and you can try to create a narrative out of that. The fact is Trubisky was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league. There's no debate about it, and the more troubling issue for me is that we saw him struggle his rookie year. said, okay, it was John Fox. Then you get Matt Nagy. He's supposed to be this offensive guru. Last year they improved. He showed signs where I think a lot of us had expected him to take a big step forward in 2019. Well, 2019 happened, and yet here we are, and he took – not only a step back, but a sizable step back. And, you know, it's one of those, he had those few good games, uh, you know, where he, he, he kind of lit things up. Well, you know, even when, you know, a lot of people are counting the Giants as a good game. It's like, well, when you look at what he did against the Giants, statistically speaking, he was actually one of the worst quarterbacks against the Giants. And it's like, okay, well, he led up a Lions defense. Well, who hasn't this year? You know, it's like the only real impressive uh, outing that he had that I thought that you could actually – you know, say, wow, that was really good, and there's really no excuse, uh, you know, to point against him would be the Dallas game. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where, again, we're, we're, at a, we're at a point with Trubisky where 
we're through through three years. He's still showing the same concerns and same signs that we saw his rookie year. They're not going to change. It's just as simple as that. And that's not to say that play calling hasn't been an issue. That's not to say that the offensive line hasn't been an issue. And that's not to say that the running game hasn't been an issue. But to sit here and objectively look at this offense and to look at this team and say, okay, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Their offense was bottom of the league in almost every single category. And to objectively sit there and say that that is not you know, primarily on Trubisky to blame Matt Nagy for the play calling, to blame the offensive line when really in terms of pressures and hits and all that stuff, uh, you know, they were they were middle of the pack. You know, the blame it on the running game again. There was there was different teams that had, uh, you know, worse running games that had more offensive success. The reality is Trubisky is a really bad quarterback right now. He is below replacement level. I truly believe if they had somebody like, let's just say Derek Carr, right in the right in the middle of the pack, right in the middle of the league. If they had Derek Carr, they're 11 and 5, 12 and 4. They're in the playoffs right now, and they probably won the division. I mean, the, re- realistically, obviously the offense was the issue, but out of everything that was the issue on the offense, Trubisky was unquestionably the absolute worst thing to that offense. And I just I have. I can't accept it. I can't accept the fact that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy can sit there and they can look at the roster, they can look at all the issues that they've had and come to the conclusion that they're in the middle of a competition window where they already blew a year of that. They're in the middle of a competition window where they're going to have to make a bunch of weird moves to create some cap space and do a bunch of stuff. They're in the middle of that window and they're going to stick with Trubisky knowing damn well that you know, at very best, you're going to get an inconsistent product out of him. And at very worst, you're going to get exactly what you got out of him this year. And that's not good enough for the playoffs. And even if they were to get in the playoffs with an easier schedule next year, they're not going to contend for a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. So, again, I mean, if you're really looking at it, and I, I, I can't really be any more blunt because, you know, it's just one of those situations where the clear problem here is Trubisky. And I, I don't know that there's a clear solution to that issue. I mean, again, we're going to have to kind of see how things play out. We're going to have to see who becomes available. Uh, I don't think drafting a quarterback early on and throwing a rookie quarterback into this kind of mix is the right answer. I definitely think it needs to be a veteran, whether that's a trade or whether that's somebody getting cut and, you know, they sign him or a Bridgewater or whoever it is. But I do think that fixing the quarterback situation is going to be the key to not only this coming off season, uh, but it's going to be the key to 2020. And I, I truly believe it's going to be the key to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy keep their job after the 2020 season. Yeah, and to add to that, I mean Carson Wentz is thrown to pretty much Best Buy employees out there. Like I, to be honest, I can only name one Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver who's actually active and healthy, and I think that's I think his name is Greg Ward. Um, yeah, who came I don't from know. the practice squad? Yeah, I think he came. He was from a practice converted squad. quarterback. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's yeah, it's been bad, and good quarterbacks make up for you know if there is a lack of a run game like Patrick Mahomes, he makes up for it. If the offensive line is struggling, quarterback makes up for it. So yeah, I'm with you. Trubisky was really really bad um, this past season, and you look look at two games against the Eagles. Their offense was god awful in the first half. They could not move the football at all. He plays any better in that game, and they score points in the first half. They're probably winning that game. Look at the Chargers game. Two key turnovers in the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much out of hand. It was a two-possession game, and Trubisky fumbles and then throws an interception. And right, right there, you're looking at okay, now we just lost the lead, and you're putting pressure on your kicker to get on and make a field, make a field goal at Soldier Field to win the game. So, yeah, I mean, even week one, he throws the interception in the back of the end zone against the Packers. It was just all frustrations throughout the season for Trubisky, and you know, I I don't know what's going to happen at the future of the position. 
I don't know if there is a solid answer to become a Super Bowl contender next season. I don't think there is unless there's some miracle run that I get a veteran quarterback or Trubisky somehow in even more of a miracle turns things around, which is not likely. It's just it's disappointing because you look, you have a Super Bowl defense, you have playmakers on offense, you just don't have the quarterback. We'll get more into the press conference. We're going to hit our first break of the show. We'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. We were just discussing discussing Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's season-ending press conference. Talked a little bit about Mitchell Trubisky. Let's get into the rest of the press conference, Aaron. Uh, there's a couple other things that stood out to me. I'll start with the quick one, the injuries. Um, they announced surgery for Roquan Smith, Trey Burton, and Anthony Miller will have um, shoulder surgery in the offseason. All three are expected back by training camp. I think we could say in good faith that we expect – Roquan and Anthony Miller to be back and doing things. Burton's the one that, you know, just because of his injury history, we're kind of on. Um, Wouldn't shock me if he was not ready at all in training camp and kind of had a situation like last season. Um, A couple other things, you know, the Bears did talk about Adam Shaheen, the tight end position, um, which was kind of odd to me. I don't think he's going to make the team. He might be in camp trying out for a roster spot, but Kind of the one thing that stood out to me there, I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but I, I found this really interesting. So the quote is Ryan Pace is asked about Adam Shaheen. He says he's talented. You know, what hurt him is, is the development, uh, being in a small school, uh, coming out of um, Ashland and being drafted in the second round pick. You know, what, what hurt him was the time that he missed when he's played. We've liked what we've seen. He just has not put it out there long enough. He, that's the biggest problem. He's been hurt. He hasn't been out there to play. And then this season, he was effectively benched. That foot injury came out of nowhere. So for Ryan Pace to kind of say, you know, when we when he's played, we've liked what we've seen. What have you liked? What have you liked so much of seven receptions, 91 yards? He was not very good at all, and almost half those yards came in garbage time against the New Orleans Saints. So I thought that was just kind of I, I hated that answer from Ryan Pace. I get he has to say, you know, he can't throw Shaheen underneath the bus. The guy is a is a total bust. They took a project pick number in the second round of that draft when they probably could have had him in the fifth or sixth round of the 2017 draft, and, he, and he's now a bust. I mean, he'll be in camp. There's no way he makes his team, and if he makes his team, it's going to be a, a miracle. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to you know Ryan Pace is going to say what Ryan Pace is going to say, right? He's just it just is what it is. Like he's he's going to say what he needs to say in the moment because really it means nothing. And much like Trubisky, I, I truly believe it's the same concept here. And, ah, man, I don't know. I mean, Shane's well, Let me right? ask you this. Let me ask you this. Because I think this quote is – this quote tells me something here. I've liked Ryan Pace. I think he's done a pretty damn good job. You know, I think he gets a lot of negativity, obviously, for the for the Trubisky pick, the Kevin White pick. Um. He's hit on some mid-round picks, which is is totally fine. But when he says, you know, I think what hurt his development, especially being from a small school, is that the time he missed. When he's played, we've liked what we've seen. He was benched this season. And what that tells me, it's like, what is Ryan Pace watching 
And not not okay. This is going to be criticism, but not. I'm not saying I don't like Ryan Pace in this situation. And I, I think he's a smart guy. Sometimes I just don't know if he's fully football smart because when you when you tell me that and you say yeah you know we like what we've seen out there and his availability and all that stuff, he wasn't available this year. He was benched when he was healthy and then had a mysterious foot injury that put him on injured reserve. I mean, am, am I wrong here? Because when I sit there and watch Adam Shaheen, I see a guy that's just that's just very bad at his, at his position. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean, even when he was available, he wasn't very good. Well, yeah, Adam Shaheen's terrible. Uh, I See, here's where I'm at with Ryan Pace right now. I think that Ryan Pace's general way of building the roster has been good. I think, you know, I think one of the things to keep in mind here is that he was the, you know, executive of the year last year. With that being said, um, it's one of those where you look – at some of these draft classes and some of these draft picks, and you just you just have to wonder. It's like you know you can write you can write some of these guys off however you want, but it's obviously Trubisky's a bust at this point, Shaheen's a bust at this point. Uh, I mean, really, that that entire draft class that Trubisky came from is really coming down to Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen, you know, because Jordan Morgan's not on the roster, uh, you know. And then you look at some of these other their, his first round picks, especially, you know, Kevin White. I'm not going to blame him. Him, uh, Leonard Floyd. I'm sorry. He is a good player for what he is. He's not a very good pass rusher, but you traded up from 11 to 9 to get him, and this is a production you're getting from him. That's not good. Um, obviously, Trubisky. I mean, really, when you Roquan Smith is still kind of yet to be decided at this point. I mean, you can go through and you can kind of nitpick a lot of what he's done uh, with the draft. I mean, he's found some good players. Uh, and then there's been some questionable ones. I mean, Bullard was one of those guys, too. I mean, he's third-round pick and just never worked out. I mean, there's just... I think it's one of those off seasons where I, I think a lot of his mistakes can be masked because everybody uh, misses on draft picks. I, I think really the only real complaint that you know that people have that I could definitely see, although I don't mind his process on it, is his valuation overall of draft picks. I mean, he just doesn't really seem to to really care that much. I mean, he moves up and he moves up a lot more than he moves down, but I mean, he, he moves a lot and trades away a lot of draft picks. So I think that this is a very, very key off season because here's what you have. You have a Super Bowl caliber roster, in my opinion. I mean, obviously they got to make some moves and they got to, they got to sure up some things, but I think they have a Super Bowl caliber roster outside of the quarterback position. Now, I don't know, like you said earlier, I don't know that they can go out and find that quarterback that's going to make them a Super Bowl contender. But I guess my entire point here with Ryan Pace is this, is that he's made some good moves. He's made some really stupid moves. Uh, but ultimately, he's still got this roster in good shape outside of one position. And I think that, again, much like with Matt Nagy, I think that that is ultimately going to – that's going to determine his fate as the Bears general manager. Uh, and I think that fate's going to come soon because you can't blow the kind of window. I mean, he built a pretty damn good team. A lot of – a lot of people, when they looked at last year's roster, especially towards the end of the year, rated their roster out as one of the better rosters in the league. And now you're looking at an 8-8 eight eight team with a huge hole at quarterback and you know, obviously some other issues, and, and everything is negatively magnified. Uh, so I don't know that I... I'm not going to turn on Ryan Pace. What I will say is, is if his true evaluation of guys like Trubisky and Shaheen, like if that's really his true evaluations of those guys, and we go into 2020 with Trubisky starting at quarterback and Adam Shaheen getting a real shot again at tight end and they make no other moves at tight end, then yeah, I mean, there's clearly some delusions going on. 
but again, it, it's just one of those situations where I, I look at it and I say, okay, you know, Ryan Pace is, I'm not going to call him a liar because I think that's, that's a, that's a bad label, but I do think he's very, uh, he, he relies a lot on the misconception. Uh, I mean, we saw it with Trubisky, uh, we've seen it with some of the other moves that he's made. He he relies a lot on basically saying one thing and doing another and kind of keeping quiet. So I'm not ready to say, you know, run him out of town yet. But I will say if, if some of what he said during the press conference, Trubisky, Shaheen, all that stuff, uh, if that's really how he feels and that's how they go into 2020, then they absolutely need to be fired when the season's over with. And I agree. And what worries me is I, I truly do believe he does think some of these things that he says. And I know we both said can't read too much into it, you know, overreaction and stuff. The Trubisky comment, overreaction, when he just talks about Adam Shaheen like that, it's just it, my mind starts to wander a little bit. And I I truly start to question, I mean, is this the right guy? And like you said, if he does not, there's going to be some interesting tight end, tight end names out there. Eric Ebron, Austin Hooper might be a tight end or might be a free agent. Um, God, who's the kid in, um, with the chargers? Is it, uh, Oh, you talk uh, about Hunter Henry. Yeah. If he reaches a tight end, um, free agent market, there'll be some interesting names out there. I think, I mean, you're going to have to hit on tight end somewhere, either a free agent or a draft pick. Burton's going to be on this roster next season. Uh, I think it's just too big of a cap hit to kind of move on from him. I would absolutely be shocked if Shaheen was on the roster following training camp. It would take a, just an absolute miracle for him to win that job back. I think you're going to see multiple tight ends be brought in, whether they dr- try to draft one in the second round or maybe even day three and bring in a free agent. It, it's a position that Ryan Pace has to hit on. Um, there's some other things in that press conference. You know, the thing with Leonard Floyd, too, um, was kind of interesting because Pace, you know, we still believe in Leonard Floyd and kind of talked about how you know, there might not be the, um, you know, the sack numbers there, but he's been better in coverage. But like you said, man, I mean, you didn't draft him to be a cover linebacker on the edge. You drafted him to be a dominant edge rusher. And then when you brought in Khalil Mack, you thought, okay, we have our edge rushing duo of the future. Um, you know, not as good as what the Broncos have with, with Miller and Chubb. But the idea is, okay, you have an elite guy in Cleo Mack. Now you just need a guy who is very serviceable and can, you know, get to double-digit sacks as a bonus opposite of Cleo Mack, and your defense is starting to cook there. And and Floyd, I believe he had three and a half sacks. Two of them came against the Packers in week one this season. He just, for whatever reason, has not been able to put it together as an edge rusher getting to the quarterback. He has been fine in pass coverage. I think he's been better and progressed over time in that. But, man, you don't take him early in the first round like that to be, uh, you know, an edge rusher that is going to be, you know, in coverage skills all the time. You want him to get to the quarterback, uh, especially this defense when you have, you know, guys in that secondary who are ball hawks and, and can force takeaways if you can get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. I Again, I don't think uh, – well, I didn't like the Floyd pick to begin with, uh, but I, I don't think that Floyd has been with worth a, a top-10 pick by any means because, like you said, you take top-10 edge rushers to be pass rushers. You don't take top-10 edge rushers to have the skill set that he has. And what's more troubling to me with a guy like Floyd is that, I mean, simply put, the guy wasn't a good pass rusher in college at Georgia. I don't – I mean, he is his role. What he's doing right now is exactly what he did at Georgia, and it's not a bad role to have. But when you're looking at, I mean, what he's going to be making about thirteen and a half million dollars on the fifth year option, and you're looking, I mean, just look at how 
bad they were at pressuring the quarterback over the last half the season. I mean, that's just really, I mean, and that's the thing you're paying uh, Mac all that money. Uh, you know, obviously Keem Hicks was hurt, but I mean, you have to have more there. And I mean, that's another position going into the off season where I absolutely think that they're going to have to, they're going to have to do something because I mean, Aaron Lynch, I, I swear the dude, every single time he, he he was on camera, it seemed like he gained a pound or two. I mean, the guy looked like he was close to 300 or, pounds, and it showed. Or was jumping in the neutral zone. Yeah, or jumping in neutral zone. But the thing about him is is they, they signed him to that, you know, the, the one, the short-term deal or, what, you know, the, the one year, I think it was like a million and a half or whatever it was. But then he ended up playing inside most of the time. He was an interior lineman because he was too big. And then it, what Isaiah Irving hasn't done anything since he's been with the Bears. I know a lot of people liked him in the preseason a few years back when he was disruptive. The guy hasn't done anything. I mean, you're just you're talking about one of those positions where you have to have more depth. And I think in a lot of ways that's why the Bears defense is still good. It was still a top ten unit. But the reason that the Bears defense wasn't nearly as dangerous as last year and why they weren't causing any turnovers was because quarterbacks were just able to sit back in the pocket. And again. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Leonard Floyd to do something. Now he's staying healthy, but simply put, he's just not a good pass rusher. So, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it, when you look at him and you look at where he was taken in the draft, it just doesn't line up. The value does not line up. Uh, and I'm almost kind of curious. I mean, yes, they have his. They picked up his fifth-year option. He didn't end the year with an injury. Uh, he doesn't currently have an injury, which means if they want, they can pull the fifth-year option. I almost kind of wonder, uh, you know, if over the next few months we might see something like that happen just because, you know, it, it's $13.5 million is a lot to pay a guy that's not actually good at rushing the passer. And money's the Bears are going to be able to clear some money, but money's still going to be at a premium. And it feels like you can probably do a little bit better with $13.5 million than Leonard Floyd. Yeah, that's, that's that's a very, very true and big question coming up is are they going to pay him that $13.5 million? I think if you could kind of rework a deal and maybe get him here for, you know, two, three years, four years on a very team friendly deal, you try that. Um, I, man, I, I would have a hard time paying him the $13.5 million. But then, I mean, the problem is then you're looking, okay, you got to draft an edge rusher. you got to try bringing one in for free agency. And I don't know if you go down that route. Man, that's just such a tough position to, you know, to evaluate because it's so important. I mean, look at where we at before the Bears had Cleo Mack. We are going to enter a season where it was Leonard Floyd and Sam Acho as your primary um, pass rushers. And now you might be back at square one, although you do have Cleo Mack. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting uh, topic in the offseason. I just, man, as much as I say, like, it's a, I have a hard time paying him $13.5 million, I'm thinking, like, I don't know, I haven't really done much scouting on who's available in the free agent market as ad rushers. I can't imagine there's any big names that, that would be the Bears can afford. Um, yeah, man, that's tough. That's brutal. Um, Aaron, you want to talk about the coaching changes now? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's switch it over to the coaching changes. I mean, this is at least something we could talk about and we have, uh, you know, we're seeing a little bit of action with, so that's a plus. Yeah, I mean, shortly after the press conference, um, you know, Nagy did tell us they're going through their evaluations, which they weren't. This was this was already made up. I don't have a brilliant problem with it. They didn't want to announce at the press conference. Totally fine. Uh, their minds were made up in the morning. I'm almost 100% positive. And then they announced it after the press conference uh, that they've parted ways with four coaches, three of them on the offensive side of the football Tight ends coach um, Kevin Gilbride, Mark Helfrich, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach Harry Heestand, and assistant special teams coach, not special teams coach, assistant special teams coach Brock Olivo, um, who I have no idea why, 
what he did to piss off Matt Nagy in the front office, but uh, he was let go as well. Um, I think you and I both kind of saw the writing on the wall with, with Mark Helfrich back in November as, you know, whether you want to say it was a scapegoat or not. Um, I think you and I both kind of had the idea he was going to go. Um, he didn't call plays here. He was just another mind in the room. And it just kind of made sense to, to move on from him. Uh, obviously, the tight end position, a big disaster. You can see that with Gilbride. I'm actually – I know the reasoning. The reasoning why they let go of Harry Heastan is he was in control of the run game with, with Helfrich. Big part of it. Um, the offensive line was really bad this year. Granted, they did you know have injuries all over. Kyle Long was hurt. Um, Bobby Massey missed time. And um, you know Rashad Coward and, and Cornelius Lucas had to fill in. So I get the Harry Heastan move. I'm just still a little shocked because I think Harry is one of the better coaches in the business at his position. Uh, but it didn't take him long to fill that spot. Uh, Juan Castillo is now your Bears offensive line coach. What do you think of that move, Aaron? As they, I mean, they announced it pretty damn quick. It was a day after. Yeah, I think really what's going on here is I think that uh, Matt Nagy, when he got hired as Bears head coach two years ago, I think that he took some chances, and I think some of those chances were bringing in guys from the outside, right? The guys that he had no prior relationship to and kind of went off of references or went off of, you know, best candidates from, you know, whoever it may be that weren't a part of the Andy Reid tree in general. And I think that what you're seeing right now is, outside of the exception of Dave Ragone, which I still have no clue what their obsession with, with Dave Ragone is, but then again, we also don't really know what he's doing outside of quarterback development, being the quarterback's coach. But, uh, he, I mean, you look at it and you say, okay, well, he didn't have a relationship with Mark Helfrich. Uh, he didn't have a relationship with Harry Heastand. And, you know, like you said, the Bronco Lebo thing, that's just, I, I don't even know. And then Gilbride, I think, was the same thing. I don't think he had a, any you know, any relationship there. And then you go and you look and you say, okay, look at the tight end development. Adam Shaheen didn't develop. Um, none of the none of the guys that they brought in at the bottom of the roster guys really developed, in my opinion. Uh, Trey Burton is Trey Burton. You know, Adam Shaheen has a middle stay healthy. But even when Adam Shaheen's been on the field, he looks clueless. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, you look at the offensive line and, and in some ways, I do think that he stand maybe may have been a little bit of a scapegoat, like he pointed out as well, though. You know, he was in charge of the run game. Uh, but I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, we've seen minimal and I mean, very minimal development out of, uh, you know, out of James Daniels. Uh, we've seen minimal development out of Rashad Coward. Um, you know, Alex Barr is the same thing, which is also kind of another question of, you know, where does his future lie now that Harry, he stands out here and I guess we'll have to see, but I mean, you start really looking and they're, they're really their offensive line. Actually, I mean, their offensive line was OK last year, but they got a lot worse this year. And they have a lot of investment on that offensive line between draft picks, you know, second round draft picks with uh, Cody White here and James Daniels. And and obviously the money that they spent with Kyle Long, that's hurt now, you know, and it won't be back. But then you have the, you know, the two tackles of Bobby Massey and Charles Leno and. That's a lot of investment on that offensive line to somehow regress and be as bad as they have been. And, you know, like you pointed out with with Helfrich, again, part of the run, you know, part of the run game coordination. I don't really know what his role was. Yes, he was the offensive coordinator, but he wasn't calling plays, anything like that. I think that when you look at it, I think you can look at the run schemes and what they were trying to do. And uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do with him because it looked a lot like what Oregon was running when he was the head coach and calling plays at Oregon. So. 
they all make sense. Uh, you know, I, and I know that there's going to be some people who are going to say, well, Harry, he stands one of the best offensive line coaches, you know, in, in the world and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, he was in college uh, and he had a few good moments with the Bears in his first tenure. But, I mean, all you had to do is look at what the Bears offensive line has done and, and realize that, I mean, there's there's clearly an issue there. Uh, with Castillo, again, I think it's one of those guys where there's a lot of familiarity there. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. I mean, Andy Reid at one point actually moved him from an offensive-minded guy and moved him to a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's been all over the place. Uh, he has a good reputation. He's very well thought of. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to point to some of his results, especially with the Bills, and say, well, you know, the Bills' offensive lines weren't great. The Bears have a lot more talent on the offensive lines. And that's kind of one of the things you have to look at with some of this coaching, right, is you have to look at the amount of talent versus the coaching because, you know, players are always going to trump, you know, the the coaching. I mean, that's just really what it really what it comes down to. I mean, if you don't have the, the talent, then there's only so much a coach can get out of that. And I think that's kind of what we've seen with Castillo, uh, you know, especially with the Bills. So, I'm not going to lob the hire by any means. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, this is a great hire and, you know, I'm really excited for it or anything like that. But what I will say is I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that with the tight end group and especially offensive coordinator, I think we're going to be we're going to see very similar type things. Uh, we've seen some names floated, you know, floated around a little bit already. I think it was Marty Morningwig was one of them. Pat Shermer's an obvious candidate because he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Uh what is it? Kafka was another one. He's a, I, and I'm kind of curious what his contract situation is because Jeff uh, over at the the Bears blog was kind of the one who floated that one out. Um, he's been pushing it pretty hard, and you know he Kafka makes a lot of sense in the fact that he's kind of one of those up and coming rising stars. Although Eric Bieniemy may end up getting a head coaching job and. I think that Kafka is supposed to be next in line for the offensive coordinator uh, job in Kansas City. My big curiosity with him is, you know, is, is his contract up? Because if his contract's up, uh, much like, you know, if, if you guys have posted uh, on Twitter, especially uh, Lester from Windy City Gridiron, I mean, it's one of those things where an assistant coach, regardless if you're a coordinator, if you're a position coach, whatever you are, it all falls under the assistant coach category, which means unless a team gives uh, a coach permission to interview and leave, they can't do so. So unless Kafka is out of contract, he ain't going to go anywhere. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I mean, Andy Reid isn't going to let his, you know, his possible offensive coordinator go, uh, you know, so I, but again, I do think when you're really looking at this, I think we're going to see a common trend with Matt Nagy where he's going to go back a little bit more to his roots. I'm completely fine with it because when you really look at it, and, and I'm not saying that Matt Matt Nagy is Andy Reid, but when I, I think when you really look at the success that Andy Reid coaching tree has had, whether that has been uh, you know even guys you know like uh, Doug Peterson and stuff like that, they've always stuck to the roots of that of that coaching tree to that system. And I think that's kind of where maybe Matt Nagy made a mistake and it's not guaranteed to fix much of anything, but I do think it makes more sense to go out and get familiarity and kind of get back to that Andy Reid style of offense versus what the bears have been running the last two years, which clearly hasn't worked. Yeah. Uh, to go back to, you know, Castillo. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's a decent hire. I can't say it's a good hire or bad hire. I done not a lot of research on him yet um some things i've seen though is that his teams in the run game have been pretty good over his time he's a veteran he's been in the nfl since i believe 97 98 um was let go by buffalo in 2018 but i mean rarely did his teams rank near the bottom 
in the league in rushing. And he, I mean, he had some good running backs in Philadelphia. He had some good running backs in Baltimore. Um, Buffalo, I think he was there with Shady McCoy uh, the two years he was there. So, yeah, I mean, he he's not terrible. He's a run-minded offensive line coach, which is obviously what Nagy wants. And the thing that you hit right on the head right there, He's very familiar with, with um, Matt Nagy. They spend time together in Philadelphia. And that leads me to believe that that's going to give us a hint to the off, who the offensive coordinator is. I think Shermer's the ideal candidate. I really like what he can bring in both you know, the, the pass design game, the run design game. But if Matt Nagy's not going to give up the play calling duties, does Shermer really want to come here and, and be an offensive coordinator that has to listen to the head coach and not even be able to call plays? I don't know. I think that's also a really – really big factor in this. So I think if you kind of connect the dots and look at maybe who's worked under Matt Nagy, who's worked with Matt Nagy, um, and who who would come in here and be fine with not having the primary play calling um, duties, because I, I don't know about you, maybe you can offer what you think. I don't think Matt Nagy's going to give up the play calling duties um, anytime soon unless maybe Pace or, or someone up top tells him, hey, yeah, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to bring an offensive coordinator to call the plays. Um, the thing with Kafka, I agree. I mean, there could be an open position with um, the Chiefs as an offensive coordinator. And we're looking at it this way here. If you want to be the offensive coordinator of the Bears or do you want to be the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, I think the answer um, is very clear. <laughs> yeah, very, very clear, especially looking with who you're dealing with at quarterback. Um, yeah, I kind of I wrote about it a little bit today and kind of broke down a couple of the candidates from the names that were floating around. Um, I, I don't think... I don't think he'll be the guy, but it wouldn't shock me if they went to Ragone as an in-house hire because I think it fits the mold of what Nagy wants to do. He wants to have kind of a guy in there that he knows and trusts, but he's calling the plays. Um, I, I, Childress is not going to be the guy, obviously. Um, and then I think there was a couple other names floated out there, but I don't know, man. It, it's going to be an interesting search because I think it's all going to come down to the play-calling duties and, and what Matt Nagy wants to do with it. Um, I don't know if you agree or disagree. That's just kind of how I feel about the whole – I just reading it and reading between the lines, I think he's going to want a guy that, that he can kind of control, someone that's good in the run game as well that can design some plays. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think Nagy's given up play calling. I, I think he should. I absolutely think that's – that when you're looking at <clears throat> the issues – that this offense has. Yeah. I have Trubisky is a, is, you know, the solid number one and I have Matt Nagy is number two on that list. And, you know, I, I think that you have to make at least one change there. And I ultimately think, again, I think it's going to be a quarterback. Uh, I think the bears are in a hell of a lot of trouble, regardless of what they do with their offensive assistance and all that stuff. If Nagy's calling plays again, and Trubisky's the quarterback. I mean, it's just, it's, you just, you can't have both of those again. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I definitely think that Matt Nagy is going to be back calling plays. I think it's definitely an ego play. Um, I think it. You also just look again at the Andy Reid coaching tree, and you look at Andy Reid, you look at Doug Peterson, you look at uh, Matt Nagy. I mean, they all are the head coaches, and they call plays. That's just what it is. That's how things go. Again, I think a lot of it's an ego play for the most part, and I think that's kind of where things are at now. It's you know that. The offensive coordinator position is going to be interesting just because, like you said, there probably isn't going to be play calling duties uh, attached to that, which means that, yes, obviously, if an offensive coordinator comes in, the offense turns around and things start producing. And, you know, it's kind of like we saw last year, right, where the Bears made the playoffs. The Bears were 12 and four. The Bears were highly thought of. And, you know, th there was all sorts of rumors about, well, obviously, Vic Fangio got a job with the Broncos. And you see that every year, right? You see that where good teams usually have other teams that are interested in their coaches. 
So it's one of those where, obviously, if an offensive coordinator comes in, turns things around, even if he's not calling plays, much like we saw with uh, with Matt Nagy for the most part, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy is the same exact way. Doug Peterson was the same way. Doug Peterson never called plays in Kansas City when he was the offensive coordinator. You're gonna you're gonna get some recognition there, um, and you know, may, it, it definitely does seem like they're trying to set Dave Ragone up for something like that in the near future. Uh, with that being said, if it's me. I am not giving Dave Ragone the offensive coordinator position and I'm going out and I'm finding somebody, you know, I don't know that Pat Shermer will come just because again, he's probably going to want play calling duties and he may want some of his own guys that he gets to bring with him. And obviously Nagy still has control of the offense, but I think there are other names out there that could make some sense uh, that make me feel more comfortable than a guy like Dave Ragone. Yeah, I, I don't think it should be Ragone either, but, I mean, would it really truly shock you if he is announced as the offensive coordinator? Not at all. No, yeah. I, I mean, I could definitely, yeah, I could definitely definitely see it happening. Yeah, I just, I, it's hard for me to pick now just because I don't, like, I mean, it all goes back to the play calling. Dude, will Pat Shermer come here if he can't call plays? I don't think so. Would Kafka come here for a miraculous reason if he couldn't call plays? I think he would. You know, if there is no job opening in Kansas City, granted, there is the job opening in Kansas City, he's definitely going to stay there. Um, you know, you kind of look at some other names around um, the league, and, and it's just there's nothing like eye popping where it's like, okay, if this guy came in, it's like, okay, huge hire. I mean, I think Shermer's probably that guy, um, just because I, I think I like what he did with Case Keenum in Minnesota and how his passing offenses have been a lot better. Um, it's just it's going to be something interesting to watch. And, you know, I don't know if we'll have our answer because if they do want to interview candidates that are currently in the playoffs, they're going to have to wait. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And and I don't know. It's just going to be it's to me, it's 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 a, obviously a higher. It's, it's something big, but it's like how much more is really going to change? I mean, is this candidate if he doesn't have play calling days, is he going to do much more than what Helfrich did? And obviously, you know, the main reason why Helfrich and Houston were fired were because of the run game, how poor it was. So we'll see. Um, Aaron, let's take our final break, and then we'll put the um, we'll put the 2019 season to rest and end the show. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. Um, Aaron, the season's done. 2019 season's done. The offseason will be exciting. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to see what the Bears do in the offseason just because there's so many question marks and so many storylines to go around. But it's pretty much time now to put the 2019 season to rest, a season that we entered with high hopes, Super Bowl aspirations. Um, it ended at 8-8, eight eight, uh, two losses to the Packers, no playoffs, and, I mean, pretty much disappointing all around. Um, any final thoughts you want to say about the 2019 season? You know, not really. I mean, I think you kind of covered it. It just, it was, it was disappointing. I mean, this is a team that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Obviously, they were not. Um, I do think that things could have ended much worse than they did, and I think that Matt Nagy did a good job. Um, you know, with the one, you know, Ryan Pace building the culture of really keeping things together, and you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things where yes, it was disappointing, but let's just look. And obviously, it's going to be a little bit different because you know, Trubisky's not Kirk Cousins by any means, but 
looking at Minnesota last year, even looking at Green Bay, looking at some of these teams where sometimes all it takes is one little change, you know, not a little change, but, you know, one change and then kind of staying the course with a lot of other areas and kind of maintaining that roster to get them back on track. And again, there's no, you can't really look at any team in the league over the last few years and make a direct comparison to how it is with the Bears and what they need to do. But what I will say is that I think that, you know, if they can if they can find a way, and again, we've both talked about it. I don't have a name. I, I think there's definitely possibilities. Uh, but if they can find a way to get a quarterback, I think that they're going to be back in the playoffs next year, and I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the league because they still have a lot of talent. Um, they're not going to lose – you know, any top end talent. And I mean, they got some guys that they need to make some decisions on and they need to, you know, re-sign some players. But other than that, I think a lot of this is going to come down to maintaining, obviously drafting a little bit better and getting the quarterback situation figured out. I mean, they got to get the offense figured out. And I think, you know, the number one key, like I've been talking about all this podcast is the quarterback position. I mean, it's just really that simple. So, Disappointing, yes, um, but I do think that this is going to be a critical and pretty fun offseason for a lot of Bears fans. I mean, we've already seen them kind of clearing space. I think they're going to clear more space, and I think that Ryan Pace knows that they're going to have to be pretty active and kind of filling some of these. I think in some ways they got a little too complacent um, last offseason and kind of thought they were maybe a little bit safer than they were in terms of their roster. Um, and obviously this year's not going to be the case because, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere and uh, Kirk Cousins isn't going anywhere. And the Lions always have that chance to where they could get better. I know that sounds laughable, but I mean, they have talent on that roster. I mean, it's they they have a good quarterback if he stays healthy and Matt Stafford. So but again, the Bears are going to have an easier schedule next year. But it's just it's yes, it was disappointing, but it's also going to be a very interesting and it should be a very active offseason. I'm not going to say that they're going to go out and sign any huge names. But I do think that we should see a decent amount of movement and hopefully some movement at the quarterback position. Like I said, at the very worst, you know, somebody like Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota or, you know, even a Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in, you know, maybe Case Keenum to come in and at least provide competition and go from there. But, uh, yeah, disappointing. I mean, it's kind of a worst case scenario, uh, you know, at least for the season when when you when you're looking at it, because, I mean. I think we all kind of felt the same way. The defense is going to take a little bit of a step back, but as long as the offense took a step forward, then we're going to be in good shape. And if Trubisky wasn't the guy, then a lot of things are going to be in trouble. And here we are. The offense took a big step back because Trubisky isn't the guy, and now they got to pick up the pieces and see if they could salvage this window because this is still a really good team outside of the quarterback position. And obviously they got some things to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. But I guess long story short, I don't think all hope is lost, but I do think that Ryan Pace is going to have to have one hell of an offseason to get this thing back on track. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Quarterback position, um, making a couple of decisions with some players, you know, Prince of Mukamura, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Leonard Floyd, obviously. And then you got to look, you got to fix a tight end position. Got to bring in some coordinators, some new coaches. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. And, and maybe, you know, maybe we could look back at the season. You know, they kind of got knocked in the, in the teeth there. They failed to make the playoffs. They entered this year. It's a lot of hype a lot of expectations and pardon me you know maybe they did get too complacent like you said and they just kind of thought everything was fine in the off season relaxed a little bit and, and maybe this will um this this will help them in the long run and maybe they realize okay yeah uh, we're not invisible you know we're not we anything can happen we can get knocked down off our throne as easy as that and and they come back hungry next season and they and maybe they return to the playoffs but yeah like you said man they're gonna need you know, to fix a couple positions, obviously quarterback's going to need to be an upgrade. Um, 
and do a little roster management. I'm curious to see with the cap space, what Ryan Pace is going to do in free agency, how to attack those positions. And then as well as a draft with no first round pick, but you do have two second round picks. Um, yeah. Sad the season's over. Um, sucks because we get in like nine months until actual Bears football returns. You know, we do have the preseason and, and free agency and all the off season events, which will be fun, but Hopefully there'll be a lot of good storylines and, and things we can talk about and write about throughout the offseason. Thanks again for joining me here, Aaron. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebayreport.com. Perfect, and you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. Um, you can read my work on the Bear Report. You can also follow the Bear Report at Just Bear Report on Twitter. Um, yeah, we'll be back with another episode. Hopefully this will be some newer news and things we can talk about maybe an offensive coordinator uh getting hired and, and check back with us throughout the whole offseason we'll have full coverage from everything draft free agency um yeah mini camps all that good stuff training camp and leading into september for the return of football 2020 season until next time please rate review subscribe on all major podcasting platforms and we'll talk to you later Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.